We're going to get some international news now with our Global News Watch segment. Joining us here in the studio once again is Nicholas Moore. Hello to you. Hi, Henry. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to first uh, turn our focus on how the coronavirus epidemic is affecting Africa. Uh, The World Health Organization issued a new report on Friday predicting that while infection rates there will likely be lower overall than in Europe and the United States. Uh, That's good news, but the problem there is the diversion of medical resources from public health concerns uh, already present in the region, uh, meaning that their hospital system is overrun. That could result in the deaths of as many as 150,000 people. Right. Listeners may already be aware of some of the problems that plague Africa already. For example, there's malnutrition, malaria, tuberculosis, and HIV. So this predicted surge may overwhelm those medical resources, and younger demographics may experience higher mortality rates than in other places where the coronavirus has struck. So now, already coronavirus infection hotspots are starting to emerge in Africa, despite some good earlier government interventions. Um, We will get to a developing situation in Nigeria in a moment, but for now, Tanzania has seen a sudden spike, prompting a health alert from the U.S. embassy there that the Mm. risk of infection was extremely high. And then after that, the government stopped even publishing outbreak data. And in Mogadishu, the capital of Somalia, they have seen their burial rate triple. Eventually, the UN predicts that 22% of the African population will become infected. Out of 1 billion people on the continent, 37 million will experience symptoms, 4.6 million will require hospitalization, and perhaps 89,000 will need mechanical ventilators. And note that that figure of 150,000 deaths include those who are not able to get the health care they need. So uh, anyway, you look at those numbers, certainly a dire uh, situation there. But just like uh, we've seen in countries... In Europe, countries in Asia, countries uh, in Latin America, uh, the approach to various governments differs as to how they want to handle the uh, pandemic. South Korea is one example, perhaps, and then maybe Brazil or the United States is is another example. Uh, There is some pushback from federal governments who maybe are trying to say that it's not going to be as bad as people make it out to be. Uh, More regretful is that Burundi, uh, their foreign ministry, expelled their WHO representative and three experts from the organization in advance of presidential and parliamentary elections. Yes, as you mentioned, governments have been a a mixed bag in their responses, and that's definitely true in Africa as well. So in Burundi, the government claims that WHO officials were interfering in the government's management of the domestic outbreak, but the UN agency disagrees that any management was actually occurring. The UN Commission of Inquiry on Burundi says that they simply criticized the government for lifting social distancing measures during campaigning. And one local human rights activist concurred, saying that the government's actual handling of the outbreak was opaque, saying the least, and international relations with Burundi have soured since 2015. And... uh We're going to look at another nation. Uh, Let's go go back to Nigeria, the country's uh, second largest city there, Kano. Uh, It's also uh, the hub for northern Nigeria. They've had an outbreak that was uh, even recognized by the government in April, but the the city's outbreak is still uh, reportedly uh, not under control yet. Yes, it's been a long time um, that they faced this surge. Uh, Doctors started seeing that early um, in April, though, with elderly patients presenting all known COVID-19 symptoms, but not being able to get tested. And then there are unusual rates of death throughout that month. 
And still, despite uh, medical staff pleas, they were not supplied with personal protective equipment, having to make do with only common surgical masks. So the fact that they continued sacrificing and seeing patients led to one hospital having 20 out of 91 doctors testing positive, and then another cluster emerged among laboratory technicians, further crippling their testing capacity. And a lack of leadership may be to blame. Public announcements are conducted in English, and while most of the public in Kano doesn't speak English, that means many of them uh, think that this disease is a hoax. Funerals of likely COVID-19 victims have had high attendance, where social practices dictate handshaking. Mm. And cynicism about this situation is even reflected in public events. Going ahead still, one recent soccer tournament was called the Coronavirus Cup. And again, this is just a case study of one uh, example of what is risk at happening in other metropolises across Africa. And you pointed out uh, many people are already familiar with some of the other inherent challenges that Africa faces, including hunger. Uh, there is a pressure to reopen the economies. Uh, these are sensitive economies. But the World Food Program now predicting that uh, the risk of hunger is real. Uh, more than 43 million people could face food insecurity. Right. And that's just in one region. I want to sp- uh, put the spotlight on West Africa and the Western Sahel region, which sits between the Sahara to the north and the savanna to the south. Uh, Already, there were jihadi attacks in Burkina Faso, displacing almost a million from their homes. Overall, in that region, 4.5 million have been rendered homeless recently. Adding to that, climate change has been disrupting food supply chains. This was all before the outbreak even made its impact. The confluence of those earlier factors led to the WPF prediction, uh, FP prediction, WFP, of uh, 21 million in hunger this year, but they've since over doubled their estimation since the outbreak Mm. began. Um, Some good news, however, for Africa as a whole, coronavirus testing has tripled in the last month and tests made in for African countries are expected to meet approval standards in the coming weeks. Right. And as uh, we've seen with successful countries, again, uh, not to toot our own horn, but here in South Korea, uh, the more and more extensive you can uh, ramp up that testing, uh, the better off in the long term uh, you can uh, put a handle on this uh, pandemic. Uh, Let's turn to another area which has been a so-called hotspot for this pandemic, uh, perhaps of a more wealthier class. You have a few thousand dollars to spend. You can maybe uh, uh, shell out uh, a ticket for two at a cruise ship. These cruise ships have been compared to, though, um, petri dishes, basically where germs are going to be isolated in one position and allowed to uh, spread rampantly as you're out at sea. Uh, We've seen mass infections of uh, COVID-19 there. Uh, Crew members especially vulnerable to this, uh, especially what we saw with the early case uh, really close here geographically, the Diamond Princess cluster in Japan, right? Right. I I do want to shine the spotlight here on crew um, because some people might blame uh, people for shelling out that money and getting tickets for cruises in this situation, which uh, might be extremely risky. Right. But Many people who are crew members might feel like they have no choice. Um, They have to continue working to earn money. Um, So there's a lack of space for many, especially crew on board, uh, making it a straightforward viral breeding ground with the many touchable surfaces and circulated air conditioning as well. And it's not a fun place for anybody to quarantine. And then once one person is infected, keeping everyone on board is a risky non-solution because it will certainly lead to more preventable infections and perhaps deaths. 
So ports have had to face a difficult choice. If they do step up, they can allow those on cruises to disembark, then find medical care and return to their families. But then on the other hand, take the case of San Francisco, where the Grand Princess was at first denied entry. U.S. President Donald Trump backed the port's decision by saying, quote, I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship that wasn't our fault. Yeah, and you, you, you talk of uh, political foresight and, and the idea that the numbers at that time was 15, and you see that uh, they're well over a million, getting uh, closer and closer to the 2 million mark in terms of infections, that uh, perhaps uh, uh, there was a little bit of short-sightedness there, just, just to be fair. Uh, let, let's go back to then the Diamond Princess. It, mm-hmm. it left Yokohama on Saturday. Uh, This began, this debacle began on February 3rd. Uh, You, again, have to pay sympathies to the Malaysian uh, crew members involved, all all the other crew members. Uh, There's another uh, cruise ship, the Costa Atlantica. This is uh, Japan's newest and biggest cluster. How how is the second hotspot sort of similar? Well, experts um, first point blame towards Japan's inability to greatly restrict freedoms. Um, After World War II, um, simplistically, the new constitution placed a lot of emphasis on personal freedom to prevent uh, fascism from resurging. Um, Even after the Diamond Princess cluster emerged and in Nagasaki, where the Costa Atlantica was docked, Uh, They had their first reported case. Still, we had 30 people freely going on and off the Costa Atlantica. Finally, the operators stopped their movements on April 20th, but that was too late. They already had their first reported cases, and now all the crew members are stuck on board. Now we have 149 crew testing positive and five hospitalized. Also contributing overall is a lack of additional measures afforded to cruise ships. Few additional medical personnel have been sent to ships in general, leading to staff on board having to take matters into their own hands, making food delivery rounds and helping medical staff. And while many are happy to help, it should be emphasized that healthy crew members, um, like many around the world, have no choice but to stay on board. Right. These aren't the wealthy pensioners uh, shelling out a few thousand in luxury. These are people making barely minimum wage and uh, really have no other choice but to be stuck on these ships. So uh, certainly more attention needs to be paid uh, to that. All right. We're going to have to uh, end it there. But as always, uh, thank you much for the uh, brilliant reporting, Nicholas. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Henry.